Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Alan, your podcast host. Friends, I don't know if you know this, but we are not just a podcast. Stay Forth Designs exists to help leaders get healthy and reach sustainable impact. You don't have to burn out, flame out, or have a moral failure to continue to lead as God has designed you to lead. You'll hear this so many times here on this podcast, who you are matters more than what you do. If you're a leader who abides well, who lives well, but maybe never has the impact to somebody else you compare yourself to, not only is that okay, but that may be what God has designed you for. We don't want to get in the comparison trap that leads us toward pushing hard, driving at all costs, succeeding and white knuckling both our faith and our leadership friends. We have to figure out how God has designed us to live and lead uniquely out of our own unique design. We're going to continue to talk about themes here on this podcast that are at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical, practical ways to help you live and lead as God has designed you. We've got two free opportunities for you to grow in your leadership. The first is called Tuesday Tune-Up. Every single Tuesday, we send tips that in five minutes or less you can implement into your life straight into your inbox And we want to give you those practical tips. The Tuesday tune-up, just a little tune-up each week can go a whole long way if you continue to apply that to your leadership. You can go to TuesdayTuneUp.com. You can also find that in the show notes to sign up to get that free in your inbox. The second free opportunity is the Right Setup Community. We have an incredible group of leaders having some amazing conversations. We're talking about the books that you're reading, the podcasts that you're learning from, one thing that's changing you this week, something you've had an opportunity to do that stretched you. What about experiences that are shaping you? Um, What are leaders struggling with right now? What are leaders learning from? Who are leaders learning from? Those kind of conversations are breaking out over on the right side of community. It's safe, it's protected, and it is free over on Facebook. Go ahead and like Stay Forth Designs and apply to be in the free right side of community. Friends, we want to join you there. We want to go deeper from these podcast conversations, and we let you behind the curtain of things we're processing as a Stay Forth team and things you should be processing too if you're going to live and lead as God has designed you. Welcome back to the podcast and enjoy this episode. Alan, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're on. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Joshua. Always fun to be on both ends of, of the mic. I uh, <laughs> I love having people on our podcast, but it's uh, it's fun. Hopefully you can like throw me off balance and ask me some weird questions. I'm in, man. Let's <laughs> let's chat. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. And uh, I'll probably throw you off balance a little bit. Um, but uh, I'd love to get to your your journey towards Stay Forth Designs. What, uh, what was your impetus to really start that, to get into it, your motivation? I was working with church planners for uh, many years, um, about a decade. Um, we had a network of um, church planners, mission-minded leaders, kingdom leaders, um, who love Jesus and are kind of like massaging that into the different cracks of culture here, um, up and down the front range of Colorado, a yeah. place that we've seen a lot of people move to um, with a whole lot of broken dreams. Um, yeah. And it's a little bit like Hollywood in that sense of, man, I'd love to live there and sort of give it a shot. It's an easy place to move to and it's a hard place <laughs> to stay. Yeah. And, um, and so what, what I saw was that leaders were coming in without a longevity mindset. Mm-hmm. We're running really hard. Uh, not only were we seeing burnout, but we were seeing the effects um, afterwards 
of burnout on their families, but then on our community. Because as a leader would leave, yep. people were more and more skeptical of local churches, um, church plants, whatever whatever that may be, right. um, simply because of the lack of longevity. And so began to realize so much of it was actually about staying well instead mm-hmm. of just going well. Um, and so the as, as a place that's a frontier place, yeah. we were getting frontier type of leaders that really weren't focused on staying well, dwelling well, abiding in this place, um, working for the flourishing of our city. And I uh, started to watch leaders burning out. And I realized that it wasn't primarily a capacity issue. It wasn't even primarily a competency issue. They didn't know what they're doing. It was a longevity issue. Hmm. And how do we stay healthy long enough to run the marathon? Um, the yeah. challenges, the things that we have to adapt and adjust um, we get beat up sometimes by conflict. The complexity is immense. And what I saw is that as somebody who was coaching leaders, there were very few people. Sometimes I was the only one, Joshua, in their corner wow. uh, coaching them. And there to encourage them on a hard day to go for a walk, to pull apart and detangle some of the harder questions. Uh, and so there's just, while I speak and I write and I do all kinds of different things, uh, man, I feel the pleasure of God. And I also mm-hmm. see these massive light bulbs go on when I'm one-on-one coaching a leader or in a very small group. And so at some point we have to come to terms with who God's made us to be and an organization formed around that. We've got around 20 coaches helping the leaders to clarify right now. And it doesn't sound like sexy work, uh, but man, when you, when you can help leaders to clarify and take their next steps, we believe that everyone is a genius. And when you see that genius actually be activated and be sustained, incredible things happen. So, I mean, I literally get to work with world changers um, on a daily basis right here from my desk. I'll <laughs> hop around to six or seven states today uh, nice. before I head home, just a mile from my house. It's kind yeah. of a miracle of uh, modern technology. It is. I love it too. And, you know, I'm I'm coaching a lot of missionaries, church planters around the world. And one of the things that we have seen uh, here at All Nations is that when I'm sending missionaries out, it is that it's a longevity issue as well. I mean, they're, they have a lot of apostolic imagination to go out and start something new, to see the kingdom advance in, in places where Jesus is not yet known. But it's how do you actually sustain long-term and how do you stay there? And the the people that have seen the biggest impact and the most growth are the ones that have decided to be there for long-term, that they have mm-hmm. a long-term mentality. So as yep. you've been coaching leaders and seeing leaders in, in the middle of this, what are the the places you see for health and long de- longevity and growth uh, for somebody to stay yeah. Well, like you said, mindset, I think um, the the phrase that I use is live as if you're staying. Uh, there's no way to know uh, long-term if we're going to get yeah. either forced out of the country. I mean, you think about in you know COVID space and travel bans yeah. and all of that. Um, we can fight for clarity even when we don't have certainty. And that's really important mm. difference between clarity and certainty. And so all week long, we help leaders fight for clarity. What is clear? What can we name in your life? Maybe you've come out of a season. Can we name the last season? Can we name the season it feels like we're heading into? And um, fighting for clarity, I think, is one of the greatest things we can do because it has a directly proportionate relationship with overwhelm. And um, we don't use the term anxiety uh, because that uh, scares some people. And also experts can talk about capital A anxiety. But when we use overwhelm, everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. 
And there's a directly proportionate relationship as clarity goes up, overwhelm goes down. Hmm. And again, this is not one of those fun things to talk about leadership wise, but it literally changes people's lives. In the course of a 90 minute coaching session, we can fight for clarity. What do we know is true? Um, what is that emotion that you're feeling there? What, do, what decision have you just made and how are you grieving it? What conflict are you facing? What do you believe is at the, the center of that conflict? What are we actually talking about here? What's the why below that? Whatever we want to do to fight for clarity. Yeah. Um, we see that overwhelm go down. And I think we're, we're living out of our limbic brains and yep. we are making quick reactive decisions. And so as simple as it is, we're trying to get people to slow down to move from reactive to proactive, to make decisions about what is important, not just urgent, and ultimately to ask people about design. What are you uniquely designed to do? Mm. What is your organization uniquely designed to live out in the world? And what is your team uniquely designed to do? And once we know that, then we can head toward it. And so all week long, we're fighting for clarity. And it's amazing how we can find even little bits of clarity when a leader feels like it's all falling apart. That's never true, by the way. It's never all falling apart. Yeah. And so we do a lot of work right at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical. Mm. And what I find, Joshua, is that leaders tend to fall to one side or the other. Um, we have a lot of productivity stuff. Yeah. It's about efficiency and you know doing more and doing all the things. We're not into that. We're actually into doing less, doing more of the right things, into effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And so the productivity hacks don't work. But if it's overly spiritual, and we believe that practical is actually unspiritual, then we can have these massive dreams for our life, hoping that <laughs> God will just drop that dream in there. It's called a yeah. miracle. God can do that <laughs> yeah. and, and often does. But I'm not going to wait on a miracle for me to actually steward the life God has given me next. And so essentially... We are helping leaders fight to steward the life God has given them. Mm. And secondly, to fight for freedom. Where can we fight for freedom in your life? And yeah. we say at Stay Forth, we're not in the leadership business. We're in the freedom business. And mm. I believe practical freedom is fought for right at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical. Yeah. What does your schedule look like? What are you actually going to do to take care of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you actually have the faith to take a, sabbat a sabbatical in this season yeah. when your board has said, it's time? <laughs> or to take Sabbath yeah. every single week because we believe God spins the world just fine on his finger without us. And yeah. that's the question. Uh, I think ultimately we're in those very ordinary, practical, sometimes gritty areas of life, fighting for freedom, fighting for clarity, and watching overwhelm, yeah. anxiety, and fear just kind of shed away. So honestly, I feel like I get to uh, be in the midst of miracles all the time wow. and God sort of bending time 90 minutes at a time. Yeah. And, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had a lot of uncertainty. Organizations and leaders are, are uncertain. We don't know what's coming next. Um, you know, we think something is over and then boom, something else happens. And no, it's not over. And then life just is throwing thrown at you constantly, right? There's all sorts of things thrown at you. So how can you position yourself? Is there any practical examples that you have in, in your coaching that we position ourselves to not be reactive, but to be proactive in just faithfully walking out and stewarding the life God has given us? Yeah, really simple. There's two buckets. There's what we can control and what we can't control. Um, and instead of the word control, let's use the word steward because yeah. we give control a bad rap. 
and so let, let's use the word steward. What, what can I steward today? And what is not my job to steward? And what's interesting is that when we are afraid, we tend to try to control things we can't mm -hmm. control. Yeah. And we tend to not control the things we can. And so I would just simply ask whoever's listening, what can you control today? And often it's, it's our routine. It's our rhythm. I have a journal open that we've curated called the right set of journal and each day. It's what is my purpose of today? Hmm. Here are three blocks. Here's all that I can do. And I may want to do 72 things today. <laughs> right. I've got about 11 um, on here before I'll head home and trust the Lord that he can, you know, get the work done that he needs to without me. It turns out um, and that God continues, you know, to, to be at work. And so I can celebrate the things that I don't control mm. and I can steward the things that I do. And so what we say is, um, we don't take ourselves very seriously at stay forth. We take our work incredibly seriously. We yeah. only have so much time and we want it to have a multiplicative impact on people and yeah. coaching one-on-one -on -one conversations, even the kind of leaders that listen to this podcast are movement makers, change makers in the yeah. world. So we've, chosen to focus our time on leaders with inordinate impact, mm. um, whether it's in their families, in their communities, uh, in their churches, in their businesses, online influencers, um, because we're trying to change the Christian leadership conversation from striving to abiding. Mm. And, um, and that's our big, hairy, audacious goal. I mean, some people would say we're crazy uh, <laughs> for trying to do that in our culture. And I'm okay. Like we are a bunch of crazies, <laughs> but to bring people back to the, I am responsible today to abide and yeah. to walk out this very small list of things that I have and yeah. to be fully when I am, where I am in the midst of that. So I think those two buckets really help. I'd say also um, to the organizational leader that we are responsible for living out the values, which I, I believe is the who of our organization. Yeah. Um, now is the time to come back to values. Um, values aren't really, don't really matter that much, honestly, in times when everything's going great, it's just falling in place. But man, when something hits the fan, when something changes, something adapts, adjusts, needs a pivot, we have to go back to our values and say, here is who we are. And yeah. I believe who we are matters more than what we do, because it shapes and impacts the decisions, what we say yes to, what we say no to, and the who matters hugely right now. So if you're an organizational leader listening, now is the time to pay attention back to our values, to re-clarify our values, yep. to share those to our team until we're red in the face and to apply those carefully um, because anybody can slap four or five words up on a wall, mm -hmm. but it's really hard to make decisions with a grid and a filter. And that's a lot of the work that yep. we do is helping people develop a filter. It's a whole lot harder to help an organization or a team develop a filter collectively for what we are going to do, what we're going to say yes to, yep. And what we're going to say no to, uh, and that's that's it right now. Yeah, and that's so important. I think we, you know, we here are really grabbing a hold of our values, and we're not only just doing that for our core team here and our missionaries on the fields, church planters. Uh, we're also doing it for any constituents, the people that pray for us, the people that support us financially. Um, we're trying to express our values and say. The way that we live out our values and how we are faithful to what God has given us 
um, is more important, right? It says in, in John 15 that if you abide in Jesus, you're going to bear much fruit, right? You abide with, with me, you'll obey my commands, you'll bear fruit. Um, and he's the one that's in charge of the fruit, right? So we have to take those steps. Um, is there any, any uh, examples that you have where you've seen uh, an organization shift from a striving mentality to an abiding mentality and the, the difference of impact and fruit that that has had? Yeah, I've seen that on a, a individual layer or, or kind of leadership um, application to people's lives. And then I've seen that on the application to an organization. Um, I can't share names here, right? right. I want to protect privacy, but um, it's interesting that success is more disorienting than failure. <laughs> and I work with a lot of disoriented leaders because with success comes options and nobody talks about this stuff is, Oh, I want to be, you know, famous, influential, successful, whatever words we use. Um, we want to succeed. We want to do well with what is wow. in our hands, but we don't understand what comes with that. And with that is going to be more opportunities to say no, more opportunities to disappoint people, more opportunities to have a really tight filter or grid for what we're going to say yes to more people are fighting for our time. And so that's the space where people come into coaching, usually not where they're failing in huge ways, but yeah. where they're saying, this is the pain point. I don't know. I'm disoriented. Mm. This all seems good. And the fight is not between good and bad between good and best is, are the leaders that come to us for coaching. So uh, one leader is uh, making a whole ton of money, trying to get out of debt and trying to figure out what is actually the good life for him. Because at some point, the opportunities are not between thousands, hundreds, thousands, they're between millions. Yeah. And he's trying to figure out what is the good life for me. And he's found some clarity in that heading toward those goals, not um, that it's been perfect. He's bumping along there, right? making mistakes and mm -hmm. uh, along the way, of course, and realizing that actually the vision for the good life is really about for abiding well, being a present father, being a present husband, and not feeling like he has to get yanked around in the next big opportunity. And so we we push aside for him, you know, decisions involving millions of dollars. We come back to what is the good life, the life that you are designed to live, and what is in your responsibility to steward. And we chip away at that week after week, 90 minutes at a time. Um, a second one was a leader that actually, actually just sold his company. And we went away for four days. Um, we climbed peaks and went on a Polaris and had a whole lot of fun. We had some serious conversations yeah. up to the fire as well uh, about sorting out, okay, so you've succeeded. What is the next season? And we do a lot of second half of life work mm -hmm. um, looking back yeah. and then being present in the moment and saying, what season are we in? And then looking ahead. Uh, and so just seeing huge gains and him clarifying, again, unique design. What am I designed for. So what if I have resources? How will I invest my best time? Um, and then organizationally, working with an organization that was just given a massive property and it's their second property and they're having to scale way faster than they had imagined. Yeah. And so I'm saying to this leader in this organization, what got you here is not going to get you there. And so to move from that addition mindset to that multiplication mindset yeah. is about him abiding more than it is striving. He's actually needs to do less and be more present, be more relational, be more about communicating. Um, and he's hustled to get here. Hmm. And so you think 
the higher you are, the more you have to hustle. But actually, sort of the higher on an org chart he gets, the more he gets time and space and needs to listen to the Lord more and has complex conversations yeah. and decisions. What I believe is that whether person or organization, it all comes back to leaders having to respond to the Lord. And you know that yeah. um, in terms of you know, values don't just naturally give to, get lived out. People right. choose to pay attention. Uh, to mm-hmm. those things and be faithful to those things. So a couple, couple snapshots. I could go for hours. I better not though. <laughs> That's good. Have you, have you, as you're coaching leaders, have you seen any common commonality in between them? What are the, some of the major um, common themes that leaders are going through, the pain points that they're going through as they're walking and navigating this life? One of the phrases I use perpetually in leadership coaching is pay attention to what you pay attention to. And I think we're paying too much attention to the wrong things. Uh, not always evil, but certainly neutral. And I'd put mm. something that's a spiritual in there, like social media, yeah. um, that can be a great tool, but can also be overused. And yeah. comparison just slips in so easily, especially when we're tired. Um, and so pay attention to what we pay attention to. Um, what are the things we long for and what the things that we look forward to? Um, and then what are the things that absolutely... Uh, either drive us crazy or just wear us down. And so we talk a lot about drains and fills right now. So Mm -hmm. every single leader needs to reassess their drains and fills uh, right now. And unfortunately that applies to people as well. Mm. We need to get around people that give us life and encouraging uh, people. And there are people that just want to bring complexity um, to us that just want to bring conflict to us Mm. that just want (laughs) to throw things out, stir things up. Um, God still loves them, but we don't have unlimited capacity uh, for people, especially when we're tired. Second thing is every leader has to pay attention to energy investment right now. So not time management, but energy investment. Every single leader has energy leaks and um, they're in very, very practical ways usually. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to take some some steps there. I'm encouraging uh, every organization to think about doing half as many meetings and making them twice as effective. And People immediately, well, you you can never do that. We'll, we'll try. I'm reading a book right now called Shorter by a guy named <laughs> Alex Pang, yeah. talking about the four-day work week. And we have to pretty much throw out our old meeting rhythm and then create a new one. Yeah. And I believe that with some intention and some uh, momentum ahead of time, some preparation, right? Leaders, like yep. we have to prepare. Uh, we can actually get greater results in half the time. Yeah. Uh, and so our decentralized stay forth team every Monday morning, Joshua, 30 minutes, we basically yeah. do a stand up meeting. Here you go. What you got done last week, what you're going to get done this week. Let's go hands in virtual hands in <laughs> on zoom and then, and then out. So um, those are a couple of things, again, really practical things. Um, and of course, I just think the more tired we are, mm. uh, the more we need Sabbath and yeah. we always need it. But I just think practically it's a gift when we're parched, Man, that water goes a long way. Yeah, and uh, and so we never know how tired we are. We're, and we are always more tired than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been through more than we think. We've led through more than we think. Yeah. And I just know that for me, getting in my sweatpants over Thanksgiving break was exactly what I needed to just, oh, to just be and just relax and fill back up so I can pour back out. Yeah. And you can eat as much turkey as you want because those sweatpants... Mm. 
Man, they could flex. They just keep expanding. So, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the point, I think. No genes for four days. That's right. That's good. Uh, so, I mean, you've talked about Sabbath a, a few times. And so for uh, just for you, practically, what does it look like as you crafted your own Sabbath? Um, how did you start to say, uh, this is what it's going to look like for me and my family? And, you know, what are the steps that you had to create that space for you? Well, first of all, I want to be honest that it didn't come proactively, it came reactively. <laughs> I was a couple years into my ministry and leadership journey. And um, and honestly, I was at the cusp of burnout. Mm. And I realized that I was kind of always working and kind of never working, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Kind of like my kids do homework. Yeah. They're like it about 70% all the time, maybe 60%, where mm. I was kind of, I was available. I was perma-available. Um, you could get a hold of me somehow. Yep. Um, so kind of always working, kind of in my head, um, kind of available, but never really working that hard. And I've mm. moved to a schedule of of intensity where I'm fully on or fully off, mm. fully present to my family or fully present to a coaching client or a podcast or writing yeah. um, like we are right now. And um, that focus was key. And so I I mm. had to, I mean, literally to survive, to continue leading, I had to Sabbath. So I want to be clear about that. It wasn't yeah. like, this is what scripture says. So I'm going to do it. It was God just grabbed me kicking and screaming like a fool uh, into a that. A lot of us get and, into I mean, that that way. And it literally saved my life. Yeah. And, and as an experiential learner, primarily, um, I had to get pummeled by leadership and people's mm-hmm. expectation and conflict and complexity um, to get to the end of myself, like many mm-hmm. young leaders, especially yeah. young men. We just don't believe it until we don't have any more gas in the tank. Um, Charisma and energy will only get us so far. And I got to the end of that, like really quickly. Um, And I almost burned out in about two years. So since then, um, it depends on our season of of life with kids. The adoption season looked very different from the open nesting um, season, or I guess from the double income, no kids season. The empty nest (laughs) season looks very different for people. Uh, we've got four kids right now, and um, there are seasons when my wife and I both had the full day off uh, together. And I just think the commonality there, again, back to drains and fills, it's a get-to day mm-hmm. in a have-to world. And to just ask yourself, is this a get-to mm-hmm. moment? There are books I read for work that I really feel like I have to, to stay close with my leadership craft and what other people are learning. Yep. Um, and then there are books that I just get to pick up. So I'm reading kind of a cartoony type uh, kind of a fun book right now. I just wanted to pick it up for a while. And yeah. that's my get-to book. And that's very different from what I'll read on, on Sabbath. My cups of coffee and my meals are longer mm-hmm. on Sabbath. Um, and it's a, it's a get-to of why not? Let me go out to this a coffee shop and eat an amazing cinnamon roll. Um, and I know people that eat really healthy on their Sabbath and yeah. they absolutely love, they'd go get a smoothie, right? But does it feel like a get-to kind of thing? Even exercise looks different. And I tend mm-hmm. to just, I live in Colorado, so I'll be out in creation for part of that time. Yeah. Um, and try not to just do those mundane things like errands that are just kind of a different type of, of work and screens. Screen time is, um, yeah. I try to limit that on um, Sabbath. And again, I'm, I'm no perfect leader and no perfect uh, Sabbath keeper. And it's really not even about that. But it, man, if it's draining to sit there on social media, that's the bad choice of time. Yeah. But if it's fun to go watch a silly movie with my kids, that could yeah. be a great use of time. Pull the popcorn out and let's do that. So that's yeah. sort of how I've stumbled through Sabbath. And again, I would encourage you listening to think through 
um, the practical aspects for you. Every yeah. time I'm outside in creation, mm-hmm. my mood swings up. Yep. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And a lot of those things are, you know, my wife and I is we're trying to be really intentional with our Sabbath. I mean, we haven't been that intentional in the past, and we're just saying we have to do it. And we have to be intentional. Um, you know, it looks different. We have a four-year-old at home. So it looks, I mean, he's he's wild and rambunctious and fun. And so he I got four of those, man. expends a lot of energy, right? And so we have to, have to take care of that. But, uh, you know, what does it actually look like to sit down and to rest, to start with a meal on a Friday night for us um, that is very intentional to, to pray together? Um, and just know that, hey, this is a time uh, with Jesus and to figure out what that relationship looks like. Um, and then, you know, and like last, last week we did, you know, we did a movie with my four-year-old. We went to the theater and, and saw something great. incredible. So those are the and fun that's so things important to do. To pay attention to the season um, because sometimes we're feeling guilty that we're not just like you say, what to sit around and blank. Yeah. Um, in this season, it may be chasing a kid around at the park. Yep. And that might feel might not feel that Sabbathy. You look at somebody else, and you know they're out for some long dinner somewhere, and they're on a you know, weekend camping trip. You're like, oh, that's really what it is. Got to figure out what it is for you yep. in this season or phase of life. Bring the family into it, and then I one one really important thing for ministry leaders is we tend to build so much of our week around transformation in mm-hmm. other people's lives. No, I mm-hmm. certainly that's most of my time yep. is helping people transform into who God has designed them to be, but you can't measure that and you can't physically tangibly have that. And so I encourage people to, to pick up habits, um, that are, you know, hobbies, things they love to do. If I can build something during my Sabbath, I am so happy. If Mm. I can stain something, if I can cut something, if I can build something out of reclaimed wood, I have a pile of wood that I keep behind my shed Mm. and I'll just pull it out and, my wife kind of sees that I get in that like creation mode <laughs> yeah. and like, I need splinters in my hands. I must build something. <laughs> and it could be for 30 minutes or three hours. Mm. But to me, it is like, oh, that is so helpful because yeah. ministry is not very tangible. Mm. And um, and kind of the adage that if you work all week with your mind, Sabbath with your body, if you work all week with your body, Sabbath with your mind. Mm. And that's been really helpful. Um, yeah. I love getting in a river that's flowing. And uh, catching fish, or sometimes not catching fish, but <laughs> it's very, very tangible, right? You can touch the water, you can touch the fish, yeah. you can smell the air. Um, and for a guy that spends, you know, half my week coaching leaders on Zoom, yeah, I need that tangibility. So that can yeah. be helpful, and I know that helps a lot of no, leaders. That, that's really helpful. And I think actually having hobbies and interests and things that are outside of your ministry and your work is huge. It's something where, you know, as as an Enneagram 3, as I'm, you know, as a performer and somebody who likes to put on some masks, I'm trying to actually shed that and figure out who am I really. Um, and one of those things is, all right, what do I actually enjoy to, doing? What are my hobbies outside of ministry? I love ministry. I love doing it. It gives me a lot of life, but I can't, that's, not all of who I am. God has made me and designed me to to do some other things. And so I have to figure that out. And so I've figured yeah. out some hobbies for me. But I think really, what does it look like for, for people? You're, you know, you are so much more interesting, Alan, that you you build things out of wood. Uh, you go fishing, you go out hiking and, you know, in, in the mountains. That's more... 
so much more interesting as a as a person than somebody that is just somebody focused on transforming leaders. Um, because you, all the time, yeah, head down. This is all I do. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. So and what's important. what's really cool, Joshua, to just build off that is. The more you do those hobbies, the more you see those are actually leadership development opportunities mm. and professional opportunities. Yeah. And not that everything you do as a hobby needs to translate, but man, when you unique design, I call it convergence. When the circles of things that we enjoy doing and the things we either get paid to do or expected to do, yeah. we host experiences at mm. Stay Forth. And these are out in the mountains. And I tell people, we're not struggling. Don't feel sorry for us during these yeah. times. We're eating amazing meals, which I love culinary greatness. Mm. We have a chef and curator on staff, and he's unbelievable. We're out in beautiful places. I can take people on hikes. We're doing fun things uh, in the outdoors. And those are what have shaped our experiences. Mm. And so I think the longer we pay attention to those things. Yep. The more we realize that life-giving for me, they're going to be life-giving for other people yeah. as well. And even for me, smoking meat or cooking it on the fire is something that I absolutely love. <laughs> and so I have guys over had a couple of raw steaks, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and some charcuterie boards. Yeah. And I mean, just this ridiculous rub on this steak. And these guys are like, Oh man, I thought we were good in like popcorn and crackers for snacks. And I'm like, we don't kid around here until we had about 15 ministry leaders in the backyard. And I love when work and play start to blur the lines. Mm. But if yeah. I hadn't explored a lot of the hobbies and know that they brought me life, I just, I love if they're bringing me life, why not share them with other people yeah. um, and bring life to them as well. So that's been a really fun convergence in my life. Yeah. That's so good. And you know, you're starting to look more like Jesus. It's you know, right before he went up to the Father, after he was resurrected, the last thing he did was go and have a barbecue on the beach with his friends um, to say goodbye. Hey, I received yeah. that. Jesus cooking? <laughs> yeah, right? that's Which, right. Let's talk about that story for a second, because I've been fascinated by that story for a while now. When we start every experience, we call it breakfast on the beach. Mm. And we think about the food was the exact same in the feeding of the 5,000, yep. right? Bread and loaves. And yet... To my knowledge, it's the only place we see Jesus cooking in yeah. Scripture. And I have all kinds of questions. Like, did he mm. actually cook the whole fire? Could he just produce coals? Was that a miracle situation? I don't know. There's a lot we don't know there. But yeah. what a cool moment to say, while you guys distributed food to everyone else, while the miracle happened through you, mm. this right now is a meal for you. Yeah. And what I see is leaders starving for anything for them all week long we do things through us yeah and breakfast on the beach i hear jesus kind of saying like hey you've, you've seen this before that was miraculous mm. this one's going to be special because i prepared this for you guys a very normal meal they would have eaten at that time yeah. and we just struggle to receive as leaders um and yeah. and so that transformative moment where we realize that if we aren't being filled up then we can't go fill other people up. It's, it's yeah. a game changer. It is. That's so good. And I love it. That's my, that is my favorite story uh, in the New Testament. So um, I love that. And, you know, even in the road to Emmaus at the end, you know, there, Jesus was known to, to everyone through the breaking of the bread. So it is something, you know, with a breaking of bread, of eating together, of being there with a meal with Jesus, that things are, Jesus has something special. Uh, for us with that, with, you know, smoking meat and having great charcuterie boards. Like there is something special there that's holy. Every time. Yeah. Every time. 
and you go go deep. And so, you know, I would encourage people to to go deep in that with other people. And that that cooking, that smoking of meat, is something that takes a lot of time. Uh, it's slow. It's a slow process. Um, you know, on the beach with his uh, followers, Jesus making a fire is not a fast process. That's a slow process. Um, and then, you know, having that fish and cooking it. Um, and so as we're entering into process, we get to interact with one another um, and go deep with one another. And that Jesus's way is not a instantaneous, this is it for you. We actually have to slow down and enter into what he has for us. Um, and so what other ways have you found of the slowing process? What what are some some things for us that we can do to slow ourselves down um, and be fruitful at the same time? Mm. I know for me, um, I am accidentally almost always walking fast. And that communicates something yeah. uh, to other people, right? That I'm not going to slow him down or I don't have time. Uh, for him. And so I, the discipline of walking again, um, like going out for a walk and um, not even maybe taking my phone with me, not trying to record yeah. how many steps or how many miles, but just to walk. When I hike, I tend to, you know, accomplish something or try to scramble over something, but yeah. just a walk, plain old walk in the neighborhood. My wife and I love doing these, especially on a warm, long summer night. We'll just take yeah. the family. Let's go for a walk. How long? I don't know. Let's just see. Um, and so that's been a good discipline for me, um, being with my kids in the afternoons. Um, I've recently, I started as an experiment and now I've shifted to, um, a shorter workday mm. and, um, I've had to, I'll call it a compressed workday. It's all still there. I'm actually getting yeah. more done, but in shorter amounts of time. Uh, and some days I guess what, I just don't have time yeah. to check email because I don't have the priority to check it really. Yeah. And so picking my daughter up at school and my son up, um, ending the workday early and then being present for the afternoon for them, I find that my time, my, my mind just kind of winds down a little bit and I have time with them and just little things like getting them a snack or helping them with homework or whatever that yep. looks like um, has been really helpful for me. And I think a lot of these disciplines are related to food because um, we tend to use food as utility when yeah. food is really an amazing gift as well. Um, Man, uh, each morning I take 10 minutes. I know it doesn't feel like much, but 10 minutes to slow down yeah. and to proactively look at my day. And I referenced the right side up journal that we've curated. And on one on the left page, literally it's just three blocks of morning, afternoon, and evening. And when I look at that, I realize I can't do everything yeah. that I want to do. Here's what I can do. And then on the right page, there's spots. I'm opening up my journal right now. There's spots um, where I can grab a thought or a question or be curious. And so it's kind of that like left brain, right brain yeah. um, piece of that. And, and in 10 minutes a day of slowing down, um, I actually look at my day and say, this is what really matters. And just to name the purpose of each day. Mm -hmm. um, and it all sort of centers around that axis. And most times it's around helping leaders to understand their identity and to get healthy and live from that. And, uh, I get, man, I'll just tell you, Joshua, that just grounds my whole day hmm. when I'll get a call or a text from a leader, I'll have space. And I'll remember today is actually about helping these leaders. This is an opportunity. This is not a bother. Um, and maybe the last one is just pushing off email or text until later going in airplane yeah. mode, fully present. So I'm not getting six texts while we're talking right now or right. 
during a meeting and then my brain is in a couple different places. Yeah. Um, I, and most leaders are skilled at being in a couple different places at the same time, but just to say, this is truly what matters to me today. What's right in front of my face. And if it isn't, then I scheduled poorly and I have a priority right. issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Those are great things for us to start to implement uh, and to do. You know, one of the things I don't know, this, this just uh, came to me, but how, what are some things or something? I mean, you could take it in, in any direction. You could take it as a as a personal thing or something you see in leaders. What are the things that that Jesus is calling people into, maybe calling you into, that you fight most about, that you struggle to enter into it to say, I don't know if I really want this, but it's actually something that's a gift from Jesus, but it's a struggle to actually enter into it. Two things, and they're connected, that I see right now. Uh, number one are limits. Hmm. I think the Father is inviting us to pay attention to our limits. Yeah. I mentioned a lot of leaders running on low energy right now. Um, and as we record this, we are in the midst of the holidays. And I believe there's a, an invitation that is to say, I have limits. And I actually have less energy than I did in the past. Yeah. And um, I think if we can pay attention to what some have called the gift of limits, hmm. that in our culture, um, we want limitless. We want the person that's always available, can always produce content, can always create the next thing, can always show up to the meeting prepared, can always, you name it. Um, I can't always do anything. Yeah. Um, and so to pay attention to the limits that we have, and we all have different limits. Yeah. Um, I have very very high capacity in certain ways and incredibly low capacity in others. Yeah. And that's true of all of us. Yeah. Um, are we talking about administration here? Are we talking about relationships? Are we talking about, um, you know, reading? Are we talking about learning? Are we talking about, you name it. Um, we have to pay attention to, we have higher limits in some ways, lower in others. And if we violate that, um, a whole lot of things are going to topple in our lives. So first one is limits. And the, the second one is related to that is actually the gift of saying no to good things that yeah. the father hasn't invited us into. Yeah. We say yes out of impulse. And I'm catching myself uh, when I want to collab. I got a, a, another coach who I absolutely love texted me the other day and said, hey, is it time for us to collaborate on something? And I almost just said, heck, yes. What are yeah. we actually collaborating on? <laughs> Instead of saying, could you give me a little bit more info on yeah. what your organization uh, did in, in 2021 and some of the things you want to accomplish in 2022? Because that may be a good decision or maybe not. Yeah. And he kind of recanted and went, oh, sorry. I, you know, like, I don't even know kind of what I'm doing. It's just what we do. <laughs> yeah. Let's do something together. We don't even know what we're getting together to do. <laughs> That's okay. uh, And so I think saying no and our no being powerful and not even like, Hey, hit me up in another month, but I cannot do that right now. Yeah. Uh, I no longer go to coffee appointments to get my brain picked. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, because I'm in covenant relationship with other people who have yeah. already committed to coaching clients. And first of all, my family. So yeah. I, I just think if we can pay attention to limits, if we can have the courage to say, no, there's the freedom for our yes to truly mm. be yes, or a heck yes on the other side of that. And I think all those three are braided together. Yeah, and that that's so good. I mean, we went through a process. Uh, just you know, an example. We were just invited onto eldership at our local church, and so 
I mean, we're we're leading a mission orga- organization. We're doing all sorts of different things. And so as we're we're contemplating that, it is, all right, Jesus, are you saying yes to this? Can I say yes or am I going to say no? Um, he said yes to us, so we're going to enter into it. But it meant that I have to say no to other things. There are things yeah. on the other ends and other sides of things that I'm going to have to say no to because of it. Um, and so that was the limit. And I'm saying, okay, I say yes to this, but I'm going to say no to a lot of other things that are probably really good things. But And one of the things that I spent a lot of time with leaders talking through, and especially in 2021, uh, were filters. What are our filters, proactive decisions ahead of time we have for a yes or a no? Yeah. And I'm telling you, if we have to make every decision in the moment, we're going to make some poor decisions. Yeah. But if ahead of time you make a decision when emotions are high, intelligence is low. Yeah. And so if we can say um, every single time somebody asks me to speak somewhere, I want to say yes, 100% of the time. <laughs> I love communicating with people. I love yeah. being with people. I love sharing what I'm learning. Rarely is that a good decision for me to hop on a plane, leave my family and go amidst the experiences that we're yeah. doing and amidst the other ways that people are coming to Colorado to meet with us. So having to say, you know, hey, I would love to, do you mind just filling out this speaking request form? We can get a little bit of information and we'll take about two weeks to get back to you. And those filters, those next steps are going to help me make the best decision I possibly can. And sometimes I said, I'm not taking any outside meetings outside of coaching or podcasting or whatever that is for the next two months. I've made the decision ahead of time. The decision's made for me. So I think that's even one more thing to add to what you're talking about is to say that everything is guilty till proven innocent in this moment. So I can pay attention to margin. So I can pay attention to people in front of me. So I can pay attention to my team who desperately needs care and attention, which all of our teams do right now. So I think there are seasons uh, of that where our filters need to even be higher. Yeah, that's so good. And it's so healthy to enter into that. Two really quick questions at the end. One, if you could, I don't know if this is actually going to be quick, but if you could go back to your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give? Slow down (laughs) and do your next right thing. Mm. Such good advice. So good. So good. What what have you uh, been reading, watching lately that you could recommend? A uh, book called Shorter, I referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. talks about the four-day work week and um, shorter meetings and how people are experimenting with that across fields. We have actually have implemented that. My favorite books I've actually done something with, yeah. you know, and I know they've deeply impacted me. Um, Priya Parker's book, um, the art of gathering is phenomenal. Mm. And I think we need to reimagine, um, why and how we're gathering in this season. Um, reading several on coaching. I, I always am, but that's kind of more niche, um, within the space. And, um, one called new power, uh, recently mm-hmm. talking about yep. old power versus new powers, kind yep. of social systems, uh, could be really helpful for movemental leaders. I think we're seeing both the good, um, and the bad, of how uh, easy it is to create uh, environments and atmosphere and essentially a new type of power through some of the tools in our hands. Mm. Um, and so those would be three that I would throw out there. I'm, um, I'm always reading in spaces that can unify people. Yeah. And so I like to read about human nature. So Malcolm Gladwell type of things, 
um, Proverbs type of wisdom yeah. that I could build a bridge with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and draw them into what I call a backdoor conversation mm-hmm. on that. And so it's interesting. I'm, I'm often not reading um, Christian classics, although those are amazing. And that's a great yeah. discipline to do. It's, you know, scripture here, and then sort of some of those um, modern day bridge building opportunities in terms of books. Uh, and I distill that in a monthly email called change makers to people. Cause I feel like I'm taking in more than I can actually steward myself. Yeah. And I want to kind of instill those nuggets to other people. If I can't get a hundred coffees, I might as well send that to a couple hundred leaders. Yeah, that's good. So where can uh, people find your work? Yeah, just head over to stayforth.com. So not go forth, but stay forth, uh, stay forth design. That's kind of a hub for, for all things, um, you know, follow on the socials, but really over on our website, our coaching page and our experiences page, you can see we're putting most of our energy and effort um, right over there. I actually have a personal coaching page as well, just allenbriggs.coach. Um, yeah, want to help leaders and organizations continue to clarify who God's designed them to be, not my will for their life uh, be done, but ultimately, how has God uniquely designed you? How do you more intentionally live into that um, with health so that we can go the long haul? On that, and I know your heart is for that as well. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for having me here. It's great to chat. Love what what you guys are doing, both here on the podcast uh, and across the world uh, with some incredible leaders. Well, thanks, Alan. It was such a great uh, time with you, and it was such so great to have you on. So, thank you so much. <laughs>